Our scripture passages for this sermon have been Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 1 through 21, uh, Psalm 119, 1 to 24, 2 Timothy 2, 14 to 26, and then every week, Matthew 11, 28 to 30. I'm just going to reread and highlight a couple of the key verses that we'll be focusing on for this, our Disciplines of Discipleship sermon on the discipline of study. So from Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 1 says, Love the Lord your God and keep his requirements, his decrees, his laws, and his commands always. Verse 7 says, It was your own eyes that saw all these great things that the Lord has done. He's referring, Moses is, of course, to the deliverance from Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Later on in that same chapter, verse 11, Moses says, But the land that you are crossing the Jordan to take possession of is a land of mountains and valleys that drinks rain from heaven. It is the land the Lord your God cares for. The eyes of the Lord your God are continually on it from the beginning of the year to its end. Verse 13, So if you faithfully obey the commands I am giving you today to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, then I will send rain on your land in its season. 16, be careful or you will be enticed and turn away to worship other gods. Verse 18, and here's the real key for our discipline of study. Fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates, so that your days and the days of your children may be many in the land the Lord swore to give to your ancestors, as many as the days that the heavens are above the earth. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 14, Paul says, Keep reminding God's people of all these scriptural things. Warn them before God against quarreling about words. It is of no value. And then later, he says that we should study to show ourselves approved. How about this? Those of you that like to use the Zoom chat function during the service, you guys will enjoy this. I'll start a sentence, an idiomatic expression, like a redewendung, right, for you German speakers. I'll start a sentence you finish it. I'll start it. You type it into the chat what the end of the sentence is. Sound good? All right, ready? To a man with a hammer, what? Okay, here come all of the answers in the chat. Uh, Tabby's got it. Others, others have got it. Very good. To a man with a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Exactly. You hit the nail on the head. To a man with a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Redewendungen. These are idio idiomatic expressions. These were my favorite thing to learn when I was starting to learn German. I would often make flashcards so that I could memorize these figures of speech, these sayings. You know, they say that real deep fluency means that you can get the joke 
in a language. You don't just understand sentences that can be translated literally. You understand the jokes, the idioms, the subtext of the things that people say. You can read between the lines. This is all part of what it means to be able to see the world like a native speaker. Now, of course, I didn't only make flashcards for my figures of speech, my Redewendungen. Uh, here's a box of my flashcards. See how I did this, right? Uh, at first, in this box, it was only basic nouns and verbs. But whenever I got the word right, I would move it back one step in my box. Whenever I got it wrong, I had to move the card all the way back to the first section again. When I get the card right enough times, then it would move out of my box and into my closet. I grabbed a bunch of the flashcards from my closet here. You can see them. They're, <laughs> there's thousands of them, probably. And now they're all over my floor. So this was my method, kind of like an analog method in these digital times. My other trick here was to draw pictures of these verbs and nouns rather than putting the English on the back of the card. Uh, the language learning experts say that this helps you to see both things and actions in your target language rather than just thinking of, for me, the English equivalent of things all the time. So, for example, this card here you can see is Zich umarmen. You see my beautiful little sketch of two people doing what we haven't been able to do with one another for a year now, and that's hug one another. And then over here I have this one you'll see with uh, depicting not just me, but my two predecessors to help me understand the German word for previous. So I drew these pictures. Now, the other people will tell you, you need to put sticky notes all over your home. Label everything in your life in German, if you're learning German, so that when you see, for example, TV, you don't see TV anymore. You see Der Fernseher, because the sticky note is on the TV. In the fall, Ellie spent months prepping for her big German exam, and there were flashcards everywhere and post-it notes all over the house. Her podcast feed and her YouTube subscriptions were full of German news and German shows. And now she's studying for a big math exam, and so she's reading a book called The Hidden Maths in Everything or something like that. She comes home from teaching math, and what does she do? She watches math YouTube videos. She's always texting me something mathy or wants to show me a video about probabilities or something, right? And she's obsessed with math. With math. She is trying to see the world through the eyes of math. That's the best thing she can do to prepare for her exam. To a man with a hammer, everything will start looking like a nail. 10 years ago, I had a mentor, an older pastor, and he was encouraging me while I was planting a new church. And it was, it was time for our new church to identify and train potential elders. And so I asked him for advice. What are we looking for? in elders? How do I identify them and train them? And he said, Andy, at least in my church, to be an elder, you have to commit to reading through the whole Bible every year. And when he said that, I was stunned and I was embarrassed because I had never read the whole Bible in one year, much less done it every year. And I was a pastor. I said, why do you, why do you ask them to do that? He said, Andy, 
I don't want to be trying to lead a work of God's kingdom in partnership with people whose minds and hearts and imaginations aren't saturated with the stories and the language and the grace and the truth of God's kingdom. I don't want to lead a work of God with people whose hearts aren't captured by the heart of God and whose ears aren't open to the word of God. Now, when my mentor said that to me, I remember wanting to quit. I thought, can I just be a regular Christian instead of being a leader? That's too much pressure and too much of the Bible, frankly. But that's the thing, right? Not everybody needs to read the whole Bible every year. But we have to recognize that when Moses gathers the people of Israel, this is what the whole book of Deuteronomy is, for one last sermon before they go into the promised land, he is talking to everyone when he says, verse 1 of chapter 11, love the Lord your God and keep his requirements, his decrees, his laws, his commands always. He's not just speaking to the pastors and the elders when he says, verse 18, fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you rise up, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Moses says this to all the people of Israel. For the people to experience the promised land into which they were entering, for them to experience it as the kingdom of God on earth, they had to have renewed hearts and minds. And to get these new realities into their hearts and minds, Moses says, you're going to have to learn and recite and study my word. When you are learning German, you've got to put on eyeglasses that allow you to see the world around you in German. Why? So that when it comes time to speak the right words and with the right intonation, you don't butcher Goethe's poor language. When you're learning math, you put on virtual reality goggles that suddenly makes you see isosceles triangles and standard deviations everywhere you look. And when you're learning how to live in the kingdom of God, Moses says, you've got to put on the spectacles that allow the truth and the goodness and the beauty of the Lord to come finally into focus. Now, your study discipline, and you need one, your study discipline needs to fit you, your learning style, your level of understanding, your temperament. But one way or another, you and I need a plan for putting Moses' words into practice. Because we need to put on the corrective lenses that will enable us to see the kingdom of God around us. Otherwise, we'll be blind to its reality. So whatever your study discipline is, it needs to get the grace and knowledge of Jesus, not just into your mind, but into your heart as well. First thing every day when I wake up, I grab my eyeglasses off of the nightstand so that I don't trip over something that my children left in the middle of the hallway on the way to the bathroom. And then I wear them all day long until the moment when I can't stay awake reading my book any longer and I take them off and I put them back on the nightstand. Moses is saying here, 
that your study disciplines need to be designed to make you conscious of the presence and the calling of God from the moment that you awake until the moment that you go to sleep. You study regularly so that the heart of God is so familiar to you that God's grace and truth then spills out of you when you're talking to your children or your parents, when you're sitting at home or when you're walking along the road, when you show up for work or when you show up for a church committee meeting, when you bump into your odd neighbor or when you're confronted by your boss or your mother-in-law. What needs to spill out of us is the heart of God and not the flesh of fallen humanity. Now we need to be careful here. You are not, like with all the disciplines, you are not trying to impress anyone. You're certainly not trying to impress God. You're trying to know God, heart and mind. God will not love you more if you study the Bible and the patterns of the Christian life more diligently. But you just might love God more. And loving God more you might just follow God more nearly. And following God more nearly, you might just find yourself imitating his son, Jesus, more closely. And imitating Jesus more closely, you might just find that it's really fun to walk around with your Lord at your side each day, enjoying his company, seeing the world through Jesus' eyes. And seeing the world through Jesus' eyes, you might just begin to care for the people in your life a, bit or a little bit more tenderly, like Jesus might if he were in your shoes. That, friends, that is why we study. So do a little bit every day. Be intentional. Start small, but start today. And then as God's word and spirit get to work on you, you'll start to see the world in ways that you never have before. You'll see, as Gerard Manley Hopkins says in his wonderful poem, that the world is charged with the grandeur of God. Instead of the hidden maths in everything, you'll begin to see the hidden grace and truth of the Lord Jesus Christ in everything. Study brings us to the place where we can say, Deuteronomy eleven seven, with our own eyes, we saw these great things that the Lord God has done. Moses tells the people who are about to go over the Jordan and into the promised land, this is interesting, that they are the ones who saw God's salvation from Pharaoh, which is true, kind of. Actually, most of the people hearing Moses' sermon that day, ready to go over the, over the Jordan to the promised land, most of them were not even born yet. And everyone who was an adult when the exodus happened, except Joshua and Caleb, was so unfaithful in the meantime, Moses included, that the Lord did not allow them to go into the promised land. They died before Israel entered and crossed the Jordan. Moses is saying, you were little children 40 years ago when God saved you, if you were even alive at all. You might not even remember experiencing it. But by saturating yourself in these sacred stories, by marinating in the ways of the Lord day in and day out, 
you will come to the place then where you, you will be able to say, I was there. The Lord delivered me. That ultimately is why we study friends. So that we are no longer talking about those people back then and their experience with God. So that we can say, we were in bondage in Egypt and God saved us and liberated us. So that we can say that we were there in Eden with Adam and Eve, walking in the garden with God in the cool of the day. And though we took the fruit and blamed it on others, God did not take our lives or our hopes from us, but covered us like an animal skin with his grace. We study so that we can say that we were there when no one on earth was righteous and we just happened to be part of Noah's extended family and made it into the ark and we were saved by pure grace. We study so that we can say, so that I can say that I was on the run from my enemies and nevertheless found the Lord to be my shepherd, spreading a table before me, anointing me with oil, filling my cup to overflowing, following me with goodness and mercy and promising me a place in the house of the Lord forever. We study so that we can say that we were there when they crucified our Lord, and that we heard them there and then pray, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. We study so that we can say, Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the author and the perfecter of my faith, so that we can say, my life is hidden with Jesus. It was hidden before there was time, and my life always growing a little bit more glorious bit by bit, will be revealed in all of its glory when he finally appears in all of his glory. So are you a math person like my wife? Fine. <laughs> Wear your nerdy math glasses and see the hidden maths in everything. Are you a bird watcher? Great. Walk around with an encyclopedic eye and notice each type of bird and call it by name, hear its chirp, identify it, wonderful. Learn a new language and see the world in German for the first time. But if you want to see the kingdom of God, the most real reality that there is out there, then you've got to study the heart of God in the word of God, in the scriptures, and then mostly in the sun. Folks, we see what we want to see. To a man with a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Do you want to see the kingdom of God now and forever? Then here is your discipline of discipleship. Study. May the Lord Jesus Christ be himself an open book to you. And may his reign be a living, visible reality in your experience. And like Timothy, may you never be ashamed of everything that he shows you as he studies you and you study him. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.